Um, how are we doing today, my lovely listeners? Whether your answer is good, bad, or maybe somewhere in the middle, um, I pray that these next few minutes are truly a respite for your soul as we talk about the hard spaces. My name is Brenna, and today I'm joined by my friend Brennan, and we're chatting about sexual ethics and pornography today. So let's get started. All right, everybody, I'm so excited to have this really difficult conversation with a good friend of mine, but also, um, yeah, this is just going to be a really interesting and deep conversation, and I think something that we all struggle and deal with. So Brendan and I actually met at Moody my freshman year. We were in um, this cohort together where we had um, all of our classes together. Um, but yeah, Brendan, why don't you introduce yourself, um, kind of what stage of life you're in, how old you are, what you do, um, so our audience can get to know you a little better. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brenna. I'm excited. Um, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Love to play disc golf, love to hike, love to do all sorts of outdoorsy things. But then I moved to the city, which was not super outdoorsy, but I loved it in a different way. Um, As Brenna said, I went to Moody Bible Institute. I met my wife there. We got married um, uh, nine months, something like that. We got married after we graduated, right before COVID, actually. So we got married, the world shut down. We moved to Colorado Springs, which is where we currently live. And for a while, I've been working in media. Um, my last job was working at a place where we talked about really difficult conversations like this one. And I'm actually just currently transitioning into a stage of more freelancing and, uh, as well as just like a lot of different work, which I love. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so this topic of pornography and sexual ethic is pretty heavy. So, but like I said before, this is something I think we all deal with, especially in our twenties and or have been affected by um and I think I would really want to start because when Brendan and I were first like talking I had reached out to him about me starting this podcast and kind of what sort of topics you wanted to chat about um I know you've had some experience um one dealing with this but also two talking about like your healing journey and I know you had mentioned like um putting a conference together about this at Moody so why don't you kind of start with talking about like your interest in this topic and sort of your experience um, with this topic and um, maybe your heart behind wanting to talk about it now that you're kind of in like a healing phase from all of this. Yeah, I mean, I would say like most teenagers, both men and women these days, uh, I discovered pornography at a really young age. I was actually like shown it at a Christian camp. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Um, so when, when I was younger, I first discovered it, didn't really know what's going on. It grossed me out. Like, this is a pretty typical story. And then as time went on, I figured out more and more ways to access it, started masturbating all the time, started looking at pornography all the time. When I, I switched to a public school when I was in high school and that year was brutal for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was depressed. I was like suicidal and I was just so addicted, just like looking at pornography, like hours each day masturbating like several times each day it would get to the point where I was like in the same room as my family like turning the screen away from them like looking at pornography Mm. it was just like a full-blown addiction for me and um I actually wasn't a Christian at that point but uh when I became a Christian which was the year after my freshman year I did not solve everything (laughs) but it did show me that it mattered and it did show me that I need to like look at this. And so to make a long story short, over the course of many years, I went through 
lots of self-searching, um, lots of sort of psychological, like brain development stuff, just learning how to um, have self-control, learning how to rewire the mind, um, and, and just also like learning how to glorify God. And so it was not something that like I wanted <laughs> to become like interested in. It, it sort of like happened to me. And I think for me, what's amazing is that like, you know, I would hope in some ways that I'm like talented, but this was not at all a thing that I was like good at or like something that I like had any right to be good at. Like this was something that like God burned into me. And it's, it's just something that in our current world, like almost everybody struggles with. Yeah. And if not, like they're still affected by like the pornographic world in which we live. And mm-hmm. so it's just super important to talk about it's it's a central part like our sexuality is a central part of who we are Mm -hmm. and so i'm a christian and it's it i think it's super important for the church to be able to talk about hard things because it matters like it matters a lot to god therefore like it should matter a lot to us we shouldn't be taboo about it we shouldn't be afraid of it and we should be willing to talk about it so that sort of gave me a passion to do i don't know to try to help others in ways that i feel like others have been able to help me Mm -hmm. Did you feel like growing up, did you grow up in the church, Brennan? I did grow up in the church. Okay. So did you feel like this was something that was like addressed in the church circles growing up at youth group or in sermons or anything like that? Or did you feel like the church didn't speak to it at all? Or what was your experience with that? It's a good question. So as I said, I'm 25 and most of my growing up times was when technology was just rapidly evolving. Like Mm -hmm. nobody knew how to... Like people that didn't even basically know how to use computers or like iPhones, <laughs> let alone like how to like set up proper boundaries or anything like yeah. that. And so my and I would say like my parents rock. Like my dad's got like a PhD in counseling. But like mm. even he like didn't really know what to do with it as much as he should have. Uh and I think he would have maybe looking back. Um and so I don't think it was never talked about, but it just was like so underestimated and I think even today like at that especially at the time like if it was ever talked about it was only a guy's thing and it's not only a guy's thing like it's a it's a people thing and I think the church often has a problem just like underestimating people being like not my youth group not my child like never and it's like yes it happens yeah so I think like it's just ignored which is really sad Yeah, I think that's such a good point you made about it Um, also being like a female issue, too. And I sort of I like agree with everything you're saying. Like I grew up in the church, too. And I felt like especially like you're growing like at this rapid pace that technology was coming and growing like so are like you you're developing you're growing you're trying to understand your sexuality and like what God says about it and like it's all just a lot and overwhelming and confusing and especially in an era now where it is like so accessible like you almost like you can't avoid it like there's no way you can go especially like at our age and the access to it is like getting more and more prevalent and the one thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about this conversation is like you know when you're watching like tv shows and they make reference to like pornography or whatever it's kind of like a joke it's kind of like oh well we know we all do this um and it's like accepted it's um becoming even more normalized I would say with like the stuff that's coming out on like streaming services with like anyone has access to it and it like the ratings of like oh it's rated r you know like because I feel like it you know maybe like in the earlier decades we had 
yeah, if it's like an R-rated movie or you kind of had more structure of like, you know what's going to be in this. Whereas if you're sitting and watching like a show on Netflix or something and then just something comes up out of nowhere, it's like, oh my gosh, like I had no, like it's just, it's literally everywhere and so accepted. Why do you think this, like, why do you think it's just everywhere? Like, why is our culture obsessed with sex? Like, why, yeah. why is pornography such, um, is growing at the rate that it is and is becoming such uh, an accepted thing? Yeah. I think, um, from a Christian perspective, I think it's important to remember, like, God made our bodies. Like, God made male and female, and that includes every part of it, like, including the, like, genitals. And so I think that's not bad. And if that is like a core part of who God made us to be, it's a core part of our identity. Like if we image God by male and female together, like expressing both in marriage and in intercourse, as well as just as humankind, then it's really important. And if it's so important, then it's obviously going to be something that the enemy really wants to attack. Mm. So I think from a spiritual element, we have to remember like this this does matter. And because it matters, we should talk about it because the enemy knows it matters. And he's really using, um, we're, we're perverting ourselves and the world is becoming more perverted to distract us from the intent that God has made. And so I think because it's, and that's from like a spiritual element, but also like from a human perspective, if it is like the way we were made to be, then it does like matter a lot. Yeah. And I think people biologically and like, from personality wise, like we want to learn about this. We want to know more because heck it's like on our bodies. Yeah, <laughs> We're trying yeah. to figure out what's going on, you know? Yeah. And so I think that the world wants, like they, they want to experience pleasure, right? Like we want our life to be about ourselves. Mm. And because we want our lives to be about ourselves, we want others to be sort of used for our own pleasure. Mm. And so I think one thing we could dive deeper into is sort of the accessibility that you've talked about with pornography yeah. and also the, when you normalize behavior, you moralize behavior. Oof. Um, and so the, and that, that's, uh, we, we see that all over, like what you're talking about a minute ago with stuff being on television and whatnot. I mean, I won't name any videos, but there are like music videos that people put out yeah. and they are on like not even cable TV, like public television. Yeah. And that would have been considered like hardcore pornography years ago. Yeah. But the more you normalize behavior and, and the other thing, like one of the big reasons behaviors are becoming normalized is because there's money to maybe be, there's money to be made. Like yeah. the porn industry is a billions and billions of dollar industry. Like mm -hmm. they know human psychology. They know how to like, there's a whole, we could, we could dive into this like for a whole episode but like yeah. there's a whole like group of really smart people from like young ages with like subtle advertising and like innocent games like like there's all sorts of stuff that sort of grooms people to want more and more and more um and it's it's for their own pleasure yeah it's a very consumeristic mentality of sex exactly. and um yeah let's kind of dive into that the damages of pornography and not really thinking about your sexual ethic at all or just kind of going with what the world says and the, the way that the culture's going because sometimes I think about this like if I didn't grow up in the church if I didn't if I wasn't like exposed to the truth of the gospel and the truth of what God says about sex and why it exists and all these things like I would 
like I would be like, yeah, like I don't see the problem with this. Like I don't see the issue. I don't see the damage. I don't see how this is like negatively like affecting, you know, like there's that temptation to think that way. But um, I don't know if you want to share like in your own life or just like what you know, like how is this damaging, especially like in our 20s where a lot of people get into relationships, They like some people right. get married like you. So it's like, how how is this damaging and why like why is it a big deal yeah i mean there's sort of like two angles there like one is the like sort of addictive nature of stuff and the objectifying nature of stuff um which i think differs slightly from like sexual relations with other people but from like an addictive perspective you're objectifying people and so and and like we said again like as pornography has become more popular and it's become more extreme, you're normalizing even more objectifying behavior. Um, I mean, large, I don't know if we want to like name them, but like large porn industries like struggle to contain like child pornography or like Mm. abuse pornography. Like they're one of the most popular forms of pornography on those platforms. And so when you're engaging with these sort of um, platforms and behaviors, it's hard to see somebody, it's harder to see somebody else as a person rather than a means to your pleasure because, and it's hard to see relationship. Like we're also obsessed with relationship, yeah. right? Like it's our, it's our status. It's our coping mechanism. I mean, that like we, we sort of project how we see sexual stuff onto relationship yeah. because if you're struggling with like something like pornography or masturbation, for example, it's really a coping mechanism. And how often do we see relationships also used as a coping mechanism? I go to you whenever I'm scared or afraid or like, you're my everything. You're my idol. Yeah. And that's like similar to how we, um, I don't know, consume, like you said, uh, sexual acts via like the internet or whether it's like strip clubs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're engaging like personally with other people, it's also hard because you, you lose the ability to think rationally about mm. somebody else. Mm. You become there's, we could get into all sorts of like sciencey stuff, but like vasopressin and oxytocin. Like when you have intercourse or even sexual interaction with other people, particularly with women, you bond to that person, which is, you know, why it's so hard to move on from that relationship, even if it's not a good thing, or it's so hard to not relive that relationship, even when you're in a future relationship. And so I think on some of your previous episodes, you've talked about that. Like, it's not that there's no moving past that. It's not that that's like, like unforgivable. It's just, it is difficult. Like it it is legitimately difficult when you engage in some of these behaviors because it's there, there are consequences. Yeah. And I was, I was looking into this organization called fight the new drug. It's not a Christian organization. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're trying to, they're not Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think they're as much as this is becoming normalized, I think there is a small portion of the culture that's, that's realizing like, Hey, this is like a drug. This is like not healthy. This like the world's sort of catching up to like the Bible and like what God has to say in a certain way. And I was just reading some of their resources and stuff. And it's, it's great. And I, in the future, I'd love to have some like doctor expert talking about this stuff, but I know that there's been studies that are coming out about how, like, especially at a young age where most um, children are exposed to pornography of like, it, like the biological rewiring and restructuring of your yeah, brain, not that, absolutely. not something that's technically permanent. Right. But like you're saying, like right. the way that you see people, the way that you see relationships, it's not impossible to heal from which we, we can move in to the healing conversation shortly. But um, yeah, like I just found it fascinating, like 
Like actually like stuff is being rewired in your brain. And that is something I think more people need to be aware of and look into because it's not harmless. It's not harmless. No, it's not. Yeah. 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 I think like as an example that's often used is if you eat a strawberry, for example, and you've never had any sort of artificial candy bar before, the strawberry is going to taste great. It's going to taste amazing. But if you've been eating Snicker bars, you know, for the last hour, and then you go to eat a strawberry, well, how's that going to taste? It's not going to be satisfying. Right. And that's sort of like what we do. We artificially stimulate ourselves with um, whether that's cocaine or alcohol or sexuality or sex. Um, And so it's also like in your brain or pretend you're walking in a field, right? And you're looking for a path that's been walked. If it's been walked over many, many times, it's going to be the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the way that you're going to go. You do the same thing in your brain. We could, again, like we could dive into the science of this a lot more, but basically what's happening is you're creating a path of addiction and it's really hard to undo that. You are, as you, as you say, literally rewiring and reshaping the way that your brain functions. And I think it's really common in the Western world that it's all like related. Like we are just so hyped up on all sorts of dopamine. We're all sorts hyped up on all sorts of adrenaline and um, like sort of in a brain, it's like to get a little bit sciencey, like the, your limbic system is a part of your brain, which tells you basically like, it's your sort of core emotional things. Like I want this, I need this. It will overpower your, the rest of your brain, your prefrontal cortex every time. And mm-hmm. so when you become so dependent on a behavior, whether that is drugs or whether that's, you know, like an addiction and like sex, like a sex addiction or pornography, um, you're unable to make a decision. It might have started out as a moral decision to do something, but it becomes a brain problem where you're unable. You have, you've rewired your brain to the point, like a, like in cocaine. And they've done a lot of studies where you can do, um, I think it's CAT scans. I can't remember the name, but mm-hmm. you can look at scans of sex addicts and look at scans of like cocaine addicts. And if you look at an image of it, you'll see basically that the part of their brain, which is part of more like thinking, decision-making, like uh, rational love kind of stuff. It's dim. Like it's just not as active. It's like dead. Mm. And the parts that are like more addictive and like fear-based and coping-based, they are super alive. And so I think like that's sort of what you're talking about. And I think to, to move into like the healing a little bit, I think what amazes me about this is that you can move into a state of like, sort of messing up your brain, rewiring your brain mm-hmm. to just become completely dependent. It's, it's literally dependency on certain behaviors. You know, when I'm afraid, I go to this thing. When I'm excited, I go to this thing. When I'm lonely, I go to this thing. That's an idol. That mm-hmm. is a coping mechanism. But it's not permanent. Like, there is ways to rewire brain. Um, and that's for, you know, Christians are like, or non, non-Christians, I think anybody's able to do that. But for Christians, that kind of gives a, a whole new meaning to the to the Bible verse of like, renew your brain, like rewire your brain. Yeah. Like it is a miracle that God allows us to literally sort of re reconnect the synapses, rewire our brain so that we're able to develop new behaviors, new patterns, new pathways to better, healthier, more godly 
behavior. Yeah, I feel like you're a living testament to that in a way. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your healing journey through? I know you talked about the beginning part of the addiction. And so kind of where are you at like now? And like, how is that healing? How did that healing process even start? Like, what did that look like just for, um, you know, the sake of people listening, you know, maybe in their 20s? I'm imagining most people that are struggling with it now also started probably around like that same age. Um, But yeah, yeah, share a little bit about that. I think for so many people, myself included, um, well, a lot of, like, it's worth mentioning, like, a lot of people don't see any problem. A lot of people don't want to get out of it at all. And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But for people who do want to, like, stop their behavior or change their behavior, it's, like, really hard. And it honestly seems impossible. Mm-hmm. And it seems hopeless. And I think, like, that was really hard for me for a while. But learning... There's a really great program called the Conquer Series um, and a number of other programs as well. But I would I would really recommend looking at Ted Roberts and some of his um, research on this and just understanding the fact that like it was a brain problem. Some of like that, like we just touched on that like a little bit, just realizing how much of this is like a um, like I just was not self-aware. So part of the so part of the process was learning about myself, was learning about how my brain works and learning that like oh, when I do this, it's going to make me feel this. When I feel this, I'm going to act out in this way. And like, I was just oblivious to like that sort of behavior. And what I realized over time was, and we're talking also about like the developmental uh, stage, which most of us are like, whatever your developmental stage is, like whatever you do in your teen years, like that becomes the normal, that becomes the foundation that becomes like the home base. And so when your home base is that you have to like recreate a new home base. Um, And so what I learned about myself is, oh, this is how I respond to everything. And I need to learn how to like redo life basically. And so part of it was just learning. And then part of it was community. Like, because it's such a, for, for a lot of Christians in particular, it can be a really shame based thing. Like not that I did something bad, but that I am something bad. Uh, yeah. And so to, to tell a brother or a sister or a spouse, like, Hey, I am this messed up. And for them to say, I know, and I love you. Mm. Like that is healing. That is powerful. And that gives you the ability to keep fighting because you're not looking for perfection. And you're, you know, like, like you wouldn't tell a cocaine addict that they're just going to like fix it overnight. Right. When you sort of understand the nature of the problem and then you meet that with love, you're going to be able to go through the process of healing, which is a, months and years process. And I, I think the other part just that's super important to just mention is just how much of it is related to your own story. Like, my goodness, I've gone through so much of my own story, just realizing like how much of my coping was related to wounds that I have, like father figure wounds, like mm-hmm. anger, like loneliness, depression, like that matters. And so I, <laughs> that was the hard part. That was the hard part. Was So going back to the limbic system, like your limbic lies, like some of my limbic lies were that if if people knew what I'd done, nobody would love me. Mm. And so to like address to to become self aware to to learn and realize like what do I truly believe? Not just like hope I believe or think I believe, but what do I truly believe? And how to be in a community. And this is why I think it's so important for the church to be doing this because you know I can look at you and say, hey, you screwed up. I don't I don't want you to do that again. But I love you. Yeah. And like you are worthy. Um, that was like. And that was everything, you know, and so it was a, it was a multi-year process of that. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I think just hearing that sentence is a reminder of like how like Christ treats us, right? Like yeah. Christ, yeah. like Christ says like, like while we were still sinners, he died for us. And it's one of those things of like, why, why would we think that we like can't extend that same grace to somebody or receive it? And it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to want to like receive that, especially in an area like this, where there is so much like shame and guilt surrounding it. Um, for both men and women. And I think especially for women too, and like trying to work through like their healing journey, it's like, it's so taboo. I feel like it's just like, no, 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 no. Like this, there's like certain issues that women struggle with certain issues. that, And I'm like, this is something that encompasses both. And I think we're finally starting to see more conversations about this with both genders. But, um, I definitely think like, um, part of like my story and like healing story with this was actually like towards the end of my time at Moody, I was only there for my first two years. So my sophomore year, I started opening up to some people that I trusted, um, with my struggle and every single person I told said me too. Like I, like I have the same issue. And I think it's like, kind of like what you're saying is if like the moment we start being honest about like where we're at, um, then that's like when healing can actually start. And that's like a theme I want to like rain out throughout this podcast is like talking about it to people that um, you trust um, with the good, bad and ugly um, and having that community so, so vital. Um, what was in it? What what was like within you that wanted to start that healing journey though? Like what sort of was like, all right, I need to get help or like I need to start talking about this. Like what sort of brought up that uh, for you? Um. I mean, I was, I think for me, well, I think what's interesting is that, you know, your sexual identity and your sex isn't about sex. It's about life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my life was a mess (laughs) and I needed to like address my life and that that was part of it. And so I I think that's like the short answer. Um, And I think the other thing that's like really interesting from a Christian perspective is like, you think you'll have conquered this, but no, you're just like, you're just a, you've taken one step up. Like a psychologist will use the term called like the binge purge cycle Uh, where you're like, Oh, I thought I did it. Like I've been, I haven't looked at like pornography in three months and it's like, just kidding. And it's like six (laughs) months. And then it's like, well, I'm still masturbating every day. Like that was it for me. It was like, I thought I was doing pretty good because I hadn't looked at like pornography in like six months when I was a senior in high school but I was still masturbating every single day yeah so like I was prideful enough to think that like things were fine and then like I had an adult like talk to me and I was like no you're not and I was like oh yeah you're right yeah yeah okay I guess I had (laughs) I guess this is just behavior modification really than actual healing yeah so like sort of just having my eyes open to like this is not about behavior modification I mean obviously like the less harmful behavior you do like you're gonna have less consequences but this is about like life change. Mm. And so just for me, especially it was like in, in, um, in line with my spiritual walk, it was just like, I want to grow as a person. I want to grow as a man. Like, and I want to grow as a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a deeper, I'm trying to like maybe get into like the why, cause we sort of talked about like why this is damaging. Um, but like, like why, like you're saying, it's not just behavior modification. It's like, why even like, 
like why like what was your sort of why I know you said like it was about like life change but like was there was there maybe something of like okay like I know like for me I guess I'll just say is like I'm always like the big like a big why question of like okay like why why am I struggling with this what you know thing but then also like what is the deep like the deeper like what am I actually looking for is like the question that I was asking myself is like why am why am I looking to this rather than the Lord or X, Y, Z. So, um, like for me, like thinking about my why is like, I felt like I was longing for like security, acceptance, um, admiration, like these sort of like broader things. I remember like writing some of these things down of like, what do, what am I searching for and why am I looking to these things? Um, to find, you know, whatever it is. So I was like writing all those things down. And then I remember like hearing a sermon. It was actually when I was in North Carolina, I was going to this church and they did a whole series on like sex. And, um, the church was actually located where there was like three different college campuses. So a lot of the people going were like my age. And so kind of in this like space of struggling. Um, and he was saying like, what you're like, what he would use the example of like when you watch like those videos of like the bride walking down the aisle and like they look at the groom and like how he sees her and that like admiration that desire and it's like you wanting that like I'm speaking like from a female perspective like you wanting that right um but then he was saying what you're really searching for and how we see Jesus handle women in the bible who struggle with sexual sin is like you're really looking for me like the, who you're really looking for is me. And the moment he said, I just was like crying. I was like realizing like, oh my gosh, like my, like I am not wired to be satisfied by what I'm turning to right now. And I like, again, this isn't like a, like, this isn't like all of a sudden now I'm healed because I understood that, but it was a huge turning point in terms of like shaping the foundation of why do I want to heal? Why do I want to move past this? Um, so did you sort of have like a why, I guess, of moving to the direction of healing? I think for me, like it has to do with the things you were just talking about of there had to be more. Like I was looking for my own purpose. I was looking for my own self-control. Like I was looking at pornography as a celebration of good things in life, as a coping mechanism of the worst things in life. And I was just like, this can't be what I was made for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This can't be the way that life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be different than this. And I think now, like having been sober for like, I don't even, like four years, um, I got to experience some of that. It's like, yeah, like this is, and I think that's why I think it is super important again to realize that our bodies, that sex in general, that sexuality is God's because if he made it, then like there's a purpose like there's there's god didn't create us to be miserable he created us right like enjoy him to thrive and i was like i don't want to just like cope through the rest of life i want to thrive i want to live life like and enjoy it and and not be stuck in my own problems and like addictions like i i think there's more there has to be more this can't be yeah Um, yeah Yeah, no, thanks so much for sharing that. I think a lot of people can resonate with that questioning right now. 
Um, but yeah, I want to wrap up this conversation. Um, I know there's literally so many directions we could take this. We could, t- I could talk about this topic for a whole series and we'll definitely bring up this topic again in further episodes. But I hope this episode was super encouraging and super helpful to the people listening. Brennan, thank you so much for uh, being on my podcast. I really appreciate uh, your insight and your time. Um, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, I just want to encourage you guys to give me a follow on Instagram, so underscore things underscore podcast, or if you want to reach out via email, so things podcast at gmail.com. Um, I'll just be sharing encouraging uh, messages and podcast insights throughout the week on that page, um, doing some polls and questions. So I would just love to engage with you guys and chat with you guys. So thank you so much for joining me uh, through this journey of navigating your 20s. And remember that even in the hard spaces, his grace abounds. Thanks, guys.